in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the f***ing players. So the Brooklyn Nets eliminated the Boston Celtics last night, and the big story this morning is about the Celtics' shakeup in their front office because Danny Ainge is expected to step down, and Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Brad Stevens is moving into a front office role. I am, I Ed, are you are when you're reading this? Is Brad Stevens no longer coaching, or is he just adding that to his coaching responsibilities? I've seen a couple reports that he's they need a new coach, that he's going to be the GM. Okay. I, I'm so look, if you're from Butler to the head coach of Celtics now, GM. I look. I mean, he's obviously a really bright guy. I guess I'm a little surprised. I mean, they must think a lot of him and his talent evaluation uh, to do this. Obviously, you're not going to put a guy in as the GM if you don't think. He's bright and can, you know, build a team that would win. But I'm still surprised. I mean, they haven't really done. I think they got to the conference finals right with him once. Yeah, last um, year. Yeah, so I, I'm i a little surprised. I think he's a really smart guy. This kind of shocked me. Not that Ainge stepped down, but that he would be promoted to that position. I, I thought he'd stay as coach. But, you know, we look, we don't know on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, they think a lot of him and what his talents are. So it just kind of surprises me maybe from a Brad Stevens angle on this. But maybe he's, you know, done all as he can in, in terms of wanting to be a coach and wants to be more within management. It, it's surprising, though. Actually got him in the conference finals three times in the East okay. out there, but never right. won it. Okay. So what's interesting to me on the Celtics is Danny Ainge – built a really good team like as far as like asset management goes and acquiring good players Danny Ainge did a really good job but where he probably messed up when you look back at it is he never went and got the true superstar like Jason Tatum is very good but if you're going to win a title Jason Tatum probably needs to be your second best player and they never went and got the true superstar like the most recent one was James Harden getting traded to the Nets The Celtics could have conceivably come in and traded for James Harden. And if they do that, we might be talking about the Celtics. Well, they're still probably playing because they would have been in a 4-5 matchup at worst. But we're probably talking about the Celtics as a legitimate contender in the East because they have James Harden to go along with Jason Tatum and the rest of that roster. So that, I think, is where the Danny Ainge side of this is probably the biggest flaw is he put together a really good team, a really good roster. They just never got the guy. They never got the star player that you have to have in the NBA. Almost every time there's like a really well put together team but they don't have the superstar player, they almost never win, like the Jazz this year. If they win, the Jazz would be a team like that that wins without having the true superstar player, but those teams almost never win, and that's what the Celtics have been for the last four or five years. They never went and got the James Harden or or the Anthony Davis or whoever was available. They never got them, and that would have changed the course of this franchise, and they probably have an NBA title if they would have done one of those by now. Yeah, and I think, uh, as has been proven, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's He's going to have to build by trading or drafting. I mean, it's a it's a town with a lot of, uh, you know, situations where not only just throwing the bottle, but racial tendencies. I don't know if you can go out and get the superstar, like you're saying, unless you're going to do via trade or you're going to draft another Jason Tatum and hope he's better than Jason Tatum. 
Um, you know, I, I, it's a hard it's a hard place I think to go convince a superstar to come. Next question. So after they beat the Celtics in five, are you putting the Nets as your favorites to win the title right now? Ah, uh, yeah. I just don't. Oh, I don't see any in the one in the West right now. If you'd say who's in the West that you would think would beat them, uh, love the second round series though because uh, I think the second round series against the Bucks is going to be terrific. Um, I, you know, did they swept their first round? I mean, they swept the Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. Uh, when you do that and you sweep a Hall of Fame coach, you got to be, uh, you know, at least a even bet the next round. So, but I think right now with those three, if those three are playing well and uh, they somehow stop somebody, I think they're the favorites. Yeah, the the Nets look like the best team. Their offense is absurd and honestly has a chance to stay that way even beyond just playing and beating up on the Celtics because again. They have three of the best individual scorers in the league in Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. And even if they don't have a good offensive possession, you can always give one of those three guys the ball with eight seconds on the shot clock, and they're probably going to get a quality shot off. Like, they're so good offensively that they do they even need Kyrie Irving. Like, every time Kyrie Irving shoots, you're kind of like, all right, you probably would have been better off with Harden and Kevin Durant shooting. That's how good they are. Their ceiling is higher than anybody else's. My only concern with, like, saying they are the favorites to win the title is their second round matchup is the Bucks. Like they have a brutal yeah. second round matchup because Milwaukee is the team that you look at the regular season matchups late in the year. James Harden didn't play, but we talked about it. Blake Griffin and Jeff Green were guarding Giannis and surely they're going to have a better plan in the playoffs, but Blake Griffin and Jeff Green guarding Giannis is not likely to work. And as good as the Nets are offensively, Giannis getting layup after layup is probably going to be more efficient. I mean, don't you, no matter who they play, though, you want an NBA Finals where the average score is like 141 to 138. Well, yeah, I'm I'm here I mean, for just yeah, watching I mean, the Nets play. Just offensively, right. every possession yeah. can be phenomenal. Yeah. You have James Harden face guard Giannis. It'll be great. I think Giannis is the last person on earth you want to face guard. No, I know, but at the same time, James Harden is also the last person on earth I want to give any defensive assignment. I would just tell him to go stand in the corner until offense comes back around. So by face guard, you mean just stand in front of Giannis, and when he runs around you, that's fine, as long as you slowed him down it for wouldn't a second. Be, it wouldn't be any different than how you would normally guard him. Next question. Lionel Messi is going to sign a new contract with Barcelona. That is according to BN Sports. That would keep him at Barcelona for the next four seasons and pay him 60 million euros per season. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, anyone gives me 60 million. Although, uh, on uh, the tweet, is this, this is cutting him? This is actually giving him less money? I mean, look, I mean, he's got more money than... God. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point, but is this a pay cut for him? I think technically like next year, like he would have made more money on his previous deal, but he's getting extra years to it. And on average 60 million per or 60 million euros per year. So maybe next year it's technically less, but overall it's much more money than he was going to get before. Hello? Uh Are you there, Ed? Ed, did we lose you? Hello? Oh, God. Am I there? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Okay, all right. Okay, okay, all right. Well, it's uh, <laughs> it's Marriott Bonvoy on the wireless. Um, hey, let me ask something real quick, though. He's 33, and he signs this four-year deal. 
how many elite years does he have left in your opinion? Yeah, it's it's interesting because Barcelona He's, was fairly disappointing this year uh, for Barcelona standards. But they're I mean they're still going to compete for their title, the title in Spain, and they're still going to be a Champions League contender. He's probably still going to be one of the five best players in the world for the rest of this contract. Like that's probably what's yeah. going to happen here. But for the majority of his career, he has been the best player in the world right, and it's been world. he's unbelievable that's probably over with now where oh he can carry you so but he's gonna be i mean he's gonna be worth the money for the next four years it's just not they're gonna have to actually do a good job of building a team around him which they did not do this year when is he gonna become a part of uh knights fc it's disappointing four years in barcelona <laughs> he's supposed to be in major league soccer two years from now no 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 he's still too young no. He's got to be like 39 and well we past his we prime. We wanted him at 35. We wanted him still in his prime. Nah. Can you imagine? Okay, you know how Nathan McKinnon just skated around Nick Haig like Nick Haig couldn't move? That's what Lionel Messi would be doing in two years to Major League Soccer, and I'm here for I'm it. I'm pretty sure, based on watching Wayne Rooney play here, 39-41, he'll, he'll still basically just go around everybody. No, see, score. the problem with him coming here is we'll just beat the hell out of him. That, that's what that's I what just, the solution will be. Is did they do that in I, Spain? But we're just gonna beat the hell out of him. He's gonna be forty-one. I just want to be. I want to know who the lackey is that has to tell him you're being. Uh, you're, uh, the lights are gonna borrow you for the weekend. <laughs> like, the who? <laughs> like uh, get in the bus. We're taking you down to Cashman <laughs> Cashman Field, Lionel. I, I wanted to, who who gets that who gets that job? Listen, you got to go over and tell him he's playing in he's playing in Vegas on Friday night. You've been loaned did, down to a baseball field. Good luck. <laughs> did he? <laughs> good luck. He, he, hey, the good news is he's one of the few. Uh, few professional soccer players allowed back in Las Vegas, right? Uh, one of the few famous ones. Man, you know, that's a great question. The Las Vegas Aces lost to the Connecticut Sun 74 Ooh. to 67 yesterday. They played the Sun, who coaches Kurt Miller. He is the coach that was suspended and fined by the WNBA for saying that Liz Cambage was 300 pounds while arguing a call in a game earlier this season. And all I've got to say right now from this performance last night is that Liz Cambage's teammates let her down because Liz Cambage had 28 points on 11 of 17 shooting in what she probably viewed as a revenge game. Defensively, she was unbelievable protecting the rim and everyone else looked like they had never played basketball before. Even Asia Wilson was bad last night. Let me ask you something. Uh, We know he listens or we'd like to think he does. Is Bill Lambeer coming around to the Tyler Bischoff way of thinking? Because I read Sam Gordon's uh, great game story. Sam does a terrific job covering team. And Bill Lambeer went out of his way to insinuate they would have had a better chance with Kelsey Plum playing because I don't think they hit a three-pointer, but they would have opened things up more. And I'm like, is this kid listening to Bischoff? Because, like, in the last two years, I don't think we would have heard that from Bill Lambert. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he liked Kelsey Plum as a player. I know she was hurt last year. But it's like, we need to open it up more. I'm like, is that how you played the first few years? They were 0 of 5 from 3 last yeah. night. They played they an took, entire game. They only took 5. Right. They played an entire game, yeah. and I don't know which is more unbelievable, that they didn't make one or that they only attempted 5. 
Like, I think it's the only attempt at five. Yeah, like that's unbelievable. Like yeah. they, they try to beat teams up inside. That's their style, but you still got to shoot some yes, threes. The, like the, the whole premise of beating everyone up inside is that it opens everyone up yeah. on the wing. And yeah, they only took five last night. So hopefully Bill Lambeer is saying, yeah, we need Kelsey and Plum back. We need to shoot some threes so that Cam Beige and Wilson can get some easier matchups. But I don't trust it's actually going to happen until I see it happen. Well, and let me ask you this, Sam and Sam's story, they even Lambeer said they didn't know. She went to qualify for the three on three, right? In the Olympics, and she comes back and can't play. Who made that decision? If she's back, why isn't she playing? Isn't it quarantine for COVID? Was that what it was? Because they wasn't really explained. And, and Lambeer goes, Oh, it's very confusing as to why she can't play. And I'm like, Well, if it is quarantine for COVID, wouldn't you know that? Yeah. Like it was like left out there like it was a mystery. I'm like, I don't understand. It has to be COVID. There's no other reason if she's healthy why she couldn't come back and play with her team. Yeah, they wouldn't be like, Oh, one game huh. suspension for leaving for yeah. the Olympics. <laughs> you know, you're representing America, but you need to sit down for the next two games. So yeah, I, I assume when I saw it the has to miss, be that. I assumed it was, but I Okay. I don't know for sure, to be honest with All you. Right. So they play that was weird. They play the Liberty tomorrow, I believe. Um, yes. And I think she's expected to play in that one. So maybe they'll actually make a three-pointer in a game. I'm out. Joel Embiid is doubtful for game five against the Wizards. So they go up 3 nothing in the series. They lose game four. Embiid got hurt in the second quarter. Wizards were uh, hacking Ben Simmons, sending him to the free throw line. If Embiid's not playing, you think the Wizards can actually make this a series? It's in Philly, right? I think they. I think that'd be tough for them to do. I think I know Embiid's how great Embiid is for them, but I would think they'd go home and close them out. I just don't think the Wizards are that good. So I'll go with the home team, even in fact if Embiid doesn't play. Yeah, I think if you're the Sixers, you are hoping you can close them out without Embiid. If you lose this one, you probably bring him back for Game Six. But yeah. I think you're hoping you can close them out and give Embiid a decent amount of rest before the next series starts and they should be they should be able to beat the Wizards without him but it makes it I mean instead of the Sixers are overwhelming favorites it makes it a much more questionable game for the Sixers like they yeah. could absolutely lose again without Joel Embiid is it frightening to anyone that if one player gets injured you have to like think about we need to close out the Wizards he's the best player on the team what are you talking about the Lakers just lost by 100 points because their second best player got hurt. Hey, and their first best player is also, you know, aging in real time. Not really. He's still throwing alley-oops off the backboard to himself. <laughs> He's fine. They just didn't have a second kind. What did Dennis Schroeder not score and was 0 for 9 last night? Like, they legitimately didn't have a you second competent player. I, I have literally heard you talk about how much you like Dennis Schroeder, and I have, like... It's, I like I, the guy. He sucked last night. He always sucked. No. He has never been good. He's never been 0 for 9 in a game. He was awful last night. So this was everybody else. This is a weird else. take that I am, like, vehement about. Dennis Schroeder has never been good. He's always been solid, He's but he can't be your second best player, which is kind of what they needed last night. All right, coming up next. Dennis Schroeder sucks. For some reason... Henry Ruggs might be untouchable in a Julio Jones trade. The rumor wheels are swirling. Everyone wants to know where Aaron Rodgers is going, where he's going to end up. How would you feel if he brought his talents to the AFC West? 
I mean, obviously, it'd be it'd be awesome. I mean, to have that challenge every single every single year, uh, it would be a great great opportunity. I mean, he uh, he's a heck of a football player. He's been doing it for a long time that I've I've watched play and, and learned a lot from. Um, but uh, uh, definitely, if he came to the AFC West, it would just make it a little tougher for us. But yeah. we, we're up for the challenge. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. That was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, do you think John Gruden would describe it as awesome if Aaron Rodgers ended up in Denver? Oh, I was going to say if he, Aaron Rodgers pulled on a uh, silver and black, then he'd probably say it's awesome. But if he's putting on an orange jersey, I would think, well, I, I, look, I don't know what John Gruden would say because he's never talks. So who knows what he's going <laughs> to say? I haven't point. heard that guy talk in a year. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, he, when and if he ever talks again to the media – I'm going to say that he would prefer Aaron Rodgers was not with the Broncos. Um, okay, so Julio Jones still has not been traded. It is after June 1st, so all these June 1st salary cap implications, Aaron Rodgers is included in that, as far as uh, how much dead money teams have to take on when they trade a guy. Uh, those are now in play for guys like Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers. But Julio Jones hasn't been traded yet. Uh, but Paul Gutierrez wrote a story on ESPN about... Julio Jones trade for the Raiders and what he wrote was interesting. He said, Las Vegas is committed to Henry Ruggs taking the next step. He is next to untouchable and you figure the Falcons would want him in a trade. Why would Henry Ruggs be considered next to untouchable in a trade for Julio Jones? I think there's a lot of that goes into it. I'm not saying he should be because I think Julio Jones obviously would be you know, an upgrade at wide receiver for them. But I'm trying to put myself in their way of thinking. Let's go to the Julio Jones side of things. As good as he is, we've talked about this countless times, his age and his injury issues. So you have to take that into account in any trade for him. Is he healthy? How much more does he have left at 32, 33 years old? I also think in that room, and I might be wrong, they have deservedly so been taken a task and ripped and criticized for their drafts and what they have done in terms of trying to build this team. And in my mind, I would think there'd be a sense in the room that if you give up on a guy, you took 12 overall, a wide receiver who certainly did not reach the expectations of other wide receivers who played last year, they would take that personally. Now, look, should you run your organization that way? No, you should try to get the best players and you don't really should care what anyone thinks. That's not your job to care what media thinks, but everyone's human. And I do think, and maybe it's why Gruden hasn't talked in a long time. There is a sense that they're tired of hearing how bad they've drafted. And if you give up on this guy right away after one year and he goes on and is like an all pro player somewhere, you're really going to take grief. So I'm, I'm not saying that's how they should think, but I'm with you. I'm trying to figure out why he'd be untouchable in their eyes. Maybe the next step is inbounds. With Henry Ruggs, the only like the only value he would have over Julio Jones is that he's on his rookie contract, is that yeah, he's, he's not age, making yeah. Yeah. very much money. Other than that, I don't think you can even make an argument that for the next three years, Julio Jones is going to be a better wide receiver than Henry Ruggs even at Julio Jones's age, I don't think it's even close. And so like I could understand if the Raiders, like let's say there was a trade offer for Julio Jones and the Raiders said, we just can't do it because we don't have the cap space. And to make the cap space work, we'd have to cut two or three guys. And we're not willing to do that. I can understand that argument to not trade for Julio Jones. 
I can't understand an argument of, well, we were going to do it, but they wanted Henry Ruggs and we refused to give up Henry Ruggs. Like that to me would be, it'd be a dumb thing to do. That'd be a dumb way to go about it because like Henry Ruggs last year, didn't, he didn't have 500 receiving yards. Like he was ranked a bottom five wide receiver by pro football focus. Even John Gruden last year during the season, when asked why isn't Henry Ruggs getting more targets, criticized Henry Ruggs saying he needed to do more. Like, there is nothing we've seen from Henry Ruggs other than his 40 time that would lead you to believe you have to hold on to that guy when you can get Julio Jones in return. Like, we're talking about a really good receiver. Even at his age, Julio Jones is going to be better than Henry Ruggs. So that reasoning to me, kind of bizarre. Now, I do want to ask you this as far as the Raiders go. If you were running the Raiders, who would you consider untouchable in a trade? Well, Derek Carr, unless you're telling me you get Rodgers back, right? I mean, unless you're telling me you get someone back better than him, then I would think he's untouchable. I mean, if you tell me you get Aaron Rodgers back, then you trade him. But I think he's untouchable unless you're getting someone who's a better quarterback. And you, you're probably not doing that unless, like we said, the Packers are really going to trade him. I don't know who above him would be on the market that you would be you would move him. So I would think he's untouchable. I, I mean, they are – look – they already got rid of guys who people assumed, whether it was Gabe Jackson or Rodney Hudson, that, oh, they would never trade those guys. Yeah. So other than Derek Carr, I don't know who's untouchable. And he's only untouchable because I don't think the people ahead of him on the cha- you know the food chain of quarterbacks would be available other than Rodgers if that happens. I-, I think there's one person on the team you deem untouchable only for that reason. I would put... Two guys on the list. Oh, and uh, you're going to put Waller on Yeah, well. I would put Darren okay. Waller on the list. Now, Okay. untouchable is still relative because if the Packers say, all right, we're moving Rodgers and we want Darren Waller, I'm doing well, it. you give up Darren Waller. I'm yeah. doing it. But those are the two guys I would consider. Now, the Derek Carr one is interesting because if you told me the Raiders decided, hey, like let's say, let's say right now Aaron Rodgers gets traded to Denver. I think Derek Carr is now touchable because – the Raiders need to rebuild. Like if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos, the Raiders need to rebuild because they're not making the playoffs anytime in the near future. And then, okay, we'll trade Derek Carr and get some assets back for him and go with Mariota or something like that. But as it stands right now, Raiders going for the playoffs next year, you're not trading away Derek Carr unless it's for Aaron Rodgers. So those are the only two outside of that. I think everyone else, like even like Colton Miller, I think if you trade him, there'd be a big dead cap hit. So that wouldn't make a lot of sense right now. But even that, like Colton Miller's, you, you absolutely can trade Colton Miller away. You but, absolutely can trade Yannick and Gakwe away. Like you're not, but you're you not said crushing it, you said team. it before. You said it before. You can figure out the cap. Any anyone can figure out the cap if they want to make a deal. Like you said, you might have to cut two players, and you might not want to do that. But every time it says, oh, they can't do it because of the cap. They can do it. It's just what do they have to do to make it work? Anyone can do it. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I should have remembered Waller. I agree with you on that. I mean, but again, if it's Rodgers, you give up Darren Waller. So you also give up Derek Carr if it's Rodgers. Um, but I, you know, they, you know, was was it Rodney Hudson? I don't know what Pro Football Focus had. You would probably know. I mean, for a long time there, he was considered the best, if not one of the best centers in the league. Yeah. And they appeared to have no issue saying it's Andre James. Now, again, does Rodney Hudson find Cassie Soto's ID badge? I don't know <laughs> if he can do that. Maybe Andre James SD has special cards. talents. It's well, an yeah, SD, card. SD card. Maybe he has better, more talents than we're not giving him credit for. But Rodney Hudson was a hell of a player, and they moved on from him. So I would think there's only, like you said, one or two guys 
that would say, you know what, we if if the deal's right and we're getting back an all-pro player, whoever you're getting, then you move on from him. Look, you've been to the playoffs once in 18 years. How could you have a lot of people who are untouchable? All right, coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. We'll find out who he thinks is untouchable. The man does not like pie or syrup on his pancakes. No clue why we're talking to him, but it is time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. No, it's not. Jason Fitz is not with us. Jared made a fancy little rejoin for him and everything. Jared is devastated that Jason didn't get to hear that. Um, So in the meantime, a breaking news story from the New York Times. Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit's positive drug test was confirmed. And so Bob Baffert's Kentucky Derby winning horse looks like he will be disqualified from the Kentucky Derby and not declared the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Only the second time in 147 years that a horse will be disqualified for a failed test. Uh, that's not all too surprising, is it? We didn't actually believe the the pee in the hay story, which was apparently from last year, not this year. Do we not have Ed either? So the COVID tests... <laughs> I was actually texting you back and forth. So the COVID tests have always been interesting to me on a lot of false positives, right? You get that a lot. This just in, when it comes to any steroid or performance-enhancing drug, this is goes to the Olympics, everyone smirks when they say, well, we have to test the B sample. Let me tell you something. The B <laughs> sample's coming back positive. I don't know why there's all these COVID false positives, because when you get into the world of steroids and performance-enhancing drugs, you... Bet your life for the mortgage, the B samples coming back positive. So when this horse got caught, I'm watching with my wife the next day and whenever it came out, she goes, what do you think? I said, he's positive. Even if it's a horse, if it's something to enhance performance, that B sample's coming back. So I, I am not surprised about this at all. Think about if, how- he was tested for, if he was tested for COVID, it might be a false positive for the horse. Think about how many home runs he could hit. He's a horse. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, just got, it's just get some thumbs on him. He's got to get the I mean, thumbs down. Uh, just, I can't believe it took this long for the B, B sample to come back. What have they been doing? Let, letting him run in the other races? <laughs> I mean, te- <laughs> technically, if you glue the bat to his hoof, that's that's still natural. Uh, Maybe. I I am uh yeah I love I, I love the idea of of horse doping. Like it's the funniest thing. Oh, it's like best. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dope up with our horses and and let him run in the Kentucky Derby to give him an edge. And then the excuses are great. It's it's phenomenal here. But like. What happens to Bob Baffert? Nothing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the discipline that would come down um, from the from the Derby people. I look, it all it is is, and here's the thing about this, and it goes like Jared. I'm you know, glad Jared brought up baseball players. I don't know how much Bob Baffert cares about the tarnish and even like you see, he's already in the Hall of Fame. They're not going to take that from him. That's all it does for this guy. He'll continue to to train horses and you know i mean now obviously and here's the thing it got he got caught but as we know when the horse tested positive what was every story well you know he's done this before his horses have done it before so i don't think it's going to change anything this isn't the first time a baffert horse has been dirty so and he continues to make millions of dollars and everyone wants him to be there his you know everyone wants to line up and have him as a trainer i don't think any happens anything happens to bob baffert well, i mean he's already, they've allowed him to do it he's already in the hall of fame yeah what so 
he, they, you know, he's a Hall of Fame trainer, right? I, I think he's already in the Hall of Fame. I'll check that. No, you're but right. Two thousand nine. Yes. He was inducted. Yeah. So what? What's going to happen to him? I mean, it's nothing's going to happen. He, you don't think right now, if you're, if you have a thoroughbred that you know is, you know, suspected to be an incredible thoroughbred, and yeah, you can see it three years old to win the Derby. You don't think that that guy's one of the first you're calling? He, he's literally going to sell someone a horse and be like, yeah, you get 51% of the horse ownership and I get to keep 90% of the winnings and someone's going to go. Yeah. Seems like a good deal. Fine. Yeah. But why I mean, is he already in the hall of fame? Uh, it's horse racing. I don't because know. They, do they don't have, they, they don't make baseball writers vote on it. <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not five years after you're tired. And a guy like that, I mean, does he ever retire? I mean, he's training right. horses. I don't know if he ever retires. So when would you ever put him in? After when he's, he's dead. dead? Yeah, we should do that with all Hall of Fames. You don't get in until you die, just in case you do something <laughs> stupid. That was, then we just, don't have hey, to put you whoa, in. Hey, whoa, whoa. Then we don't get crying Jordan. But, I mean, that's fair. That's we true. wouldn't have crying Jordan memes. That is fair. But yeah, wait till you die, because that way we can we can realize, oh, he didn't do something stupid. All right. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he didn't get like he got in 2009. He got inducted into the whatever the hell the U.S. Racing Hall of Fame is. How many horses has he had test positive since yeah. 2009? Oh, they've been dirty horses. Do you think? And I have absolutely no idea because I don't remember. Do they bring the runner up out to the track just to put roses on him, and there's no one there? <laughs> like, do they walk him out there and give him give him the same party that uh, Medina Spirit got? I mean, does he get the same party? I, think, I mean, I kind of feel bad for the horse. This is something that we sort of brought up, and I think it's been it may have been overdone, but the horse has no idea it's racing, right? Like the horse is just like, there was a little guy beating on me. So I ran and now everyone's put flowers on me and it's uncomfortable. And now I'm back eating oats. I mean, I don't even know if the horse knows it's eating urinated oats. I think they just eat the oats. I mean, there's no way the horse knows it's juiced. So yeah, I mean that's that's the that is the funny thing where they talk uh, at trainers and Baffert does this. They talk in the sense that the horse knows all this, like you know his you know his personality really changed when he peed on the oats. I mean, like no, it's a horse. The horse is just eating. You walk it out. He knows in the gate that everyone else is running, so I'm gonna run. Um, that that's it. It's a horse. But it is funny when you're tra- beating my ass. Yeah, I mean. Exactly. I mean, when you hear trainers talk about the horses, and I'm sure I'm going to, you know, we're going to get tweets now from horse people that the horse really knows. No, it doesn't. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the runner up horse today is like waking up saying, hey, I won. Come on. this guy." The, I knew the B sample was going to be positive. So two questions. I just, I just, it's so unfair. I ran a clean race. Two yes. questions here. You ask about are they going to give him the, the flowers and, and the ceremony and everything. Don't care about that. Number one. The winnings for Medina Spirit was one point eight million dollars. Does that? I would just, think they have to forfeit that, right? I, I, that's I the one so. thing they can do. Yeah. But does that then yeah. go? Does that then get redistributed to the horses that finish second, third, whatever? Like, do they now bump up, or Oof. does the Kentucky Derby just keep the one point eight million dollars? And number two, the horse that came in second, who is now technically the winner. I don't even know. It might just be vacated. It might just be how they do it. But Mandaloon is the horse to finish second. His, like, breeding life. Does his owner get to say he won the Kentucky Derby, breed with the Kentucky Derby winner? Oh, it's a great question because that money would rise big time. I didn't even think of that. Uh, Breeding, you know, putting a a Kentucky Derby winner out to stud compared to a second-place finisher, 
that would be a fortune. I that's a great point. I have no idea. I mean, I'll tell you what, if I'm the owner, I'm I, saying absolutely. Won. No I mean, doubt about I, it. That's why, like Mountain Ridge Little League, you know, send send the <laughs> banner. Send the banner so we can say we won. If I'm that horse trainer, I'm like, hey, send the banner so I can hang it up in the stall when we bring in prospective, you know, buyers in here. Brad I, Cox. That, Brad Cox is the trainer of Mandaloon. He's also the trainer of Essential Quality who finished fourth. So if cool. I was Brad Cox. I am yeah. out today on a smear campaign of Bob Baffert and Medina Spirit. And that way I can come out and say, not only did I have the fastest horse in the Kentucky Derby, the fastest legal horse, I also had the third fastest yeah. legal horse in the Kentucky Derby. Come get some horse semen. Because everyone everyone gets bumped up. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I know the results are the final results, and we've heard that the, from the minute the, the first sample came back. But I'd be a little pissed if I had had a ticket, you know, that kind of now gives me the exactor or something where I would have made a lot of money. I mean, you can't; it's not going to happen because the results are the results. Yeah. But this this affects everybody. I mean, it it affects everyone in the race. It affects the people who bet. I feel more sorry for those people because you know these trainers and owners. I mean, they're worth millions, if not billions, of dollars. But this is just horrible for kind of the entire narrative of the race. It affects a lot of other people other than Bob Baffert, who's worth millions of dollars. And obviously this isn't the first time one of his horses has been dirty. And he's in the hall of fame. Is this Brad yeah. Cox guy in the hall of fame? Oh my God. He's not. How is this guy not in the hall of fame? He too, says he's got 1500 career wins. Too young, too young, not enough, uh, doped up horses. Apparently. I, uh, how does, how does this guy being in 2009 and Spolster has to wait five years oh, after geez. he retires? Hey, See, Win a game in the playoffs. See, <laughs> what I was going to tell, what, what, see, Tyler went create a smear campaign. I'd go the, I'd go the opposite. I'd, I'd pull a, a UCF and just declare myself that too. Well, yeah, yeah. No, like I wouldn't even bring up them. I'd just be like, well, it's great to know that I won the Kentucky Derby and came, had horse coming third. So you know, top three finish, two of my horses, and I would just be like. Putting that message out there until someone was like, well, I mean, well, you didn't. What do you mean? He should schedule a parade. Do they have like a home base? <laughs> Wherever this home base I, is, no, do no, they have fans? Just, do a parade. Just call Sisolak. He'll, yeah, he'll Sisolak do a parade. will do it. Absolutely. Finish second. That's what Sisolak's, that's what he loves too. Um, uh, I'd do a parade. Yeah, you're right. You're, that's a good point. Central Florida style. Just declare yourself Kentucky Derby champion, Kentucky Derby third place. Like, absolutely. That's it. Or the other way you could do it is. My horse was so fast, he almost beat a doped-up horse. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. That's, true. that's my, really good. My clean horse almost beat a doped-up horse. You definitely want this horse. It's the Olympic swimmers saying, you know, those, those doped-up swimmers from China, we were right there at the edge. <laughs> we were right there. I mean, we know they've been doping their entire life. How about that scandal? You get into some Olympics. You get into some huge scandals comparative to this horse. What? But I, I can't wait to see what, what um, I assume – He'll have a comment on this. I assume he'll come out with some kind of comment. He'll deny it, obviously. He's not going to accept that the sample came back. But does he stick with the peeing on the hay? Does he stick with this? Or does he does he kind of come up with a better reasoning here? No, he's got you. No, once you make that lie, you yeah. either have to live with it or you yes. you, you immediately have to bat. Yeah. Like, that is, that is showing up with perfume, glitter, and lipstick on your collar <laughs> and going... Yeah, just a really aggressive lady at Macy's. Yeah. She was trying to get me in the perfume, and I was like, no, no, my wife doesn't like perfume. Uh, All right. Coming up next, our sharp is back. Uh Uh-oh, we might have a legitimate streak going here. 
It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, Joshua is back. He got the Nets last night. He has gotten three in a row. So, Joshua, where would you like to go? Okay, fellas, tonight we're going to go down to Utah. Take the Utah Jazz, close out this series. All right, we got you in for the Jazz, and again, we're just giving it to you without without the actual line, just the Utah Jazz to win. Uh, if they win, we'll be talking to you again tomorrow. So good luck, Joshua. You're getting close. You still got to get to yeah, eight, close. but you're getting close, too. We'll, we'll good tell luck, you, Joshua. When you get to five, we'll tell you what the jersey is that we have to give away. So you got to get two more, and we'll let you know what it is. So good luck, Joshua. Good All luck, right, brother. You, See you later. Hey, w- how many is Joshua at? Because I was off. Uh, he's gotten three right here. Good for him. Which um, ties the longest streak since March. The guy 17th. who did nothing. The guy who did nothing but pick soccer. Yes, the long the, the three is the tied for the longest streak since March seventeenth, which was the guy wow. who did nothing but pick soccer. Good so, for Joshua. And um, NBA is hard to pick. If he can do it with the NBA, good for him. Well, we're giving him. We're, we're not doing the money line. We're, we're just giving him the money line here. We're not even giving him the point spread right now. Once he gets past five, we might make him pick with the point spread. But right now, just pick the winner, and we'll be fine because, dear God, Boy, we, somebody you, needs to win. I, I'd like Joshua to win, but we are really stepping back <laughs> on the rules for the sharp if we're not doing lines anymore. My God. Eventually, when did well, that happen? Listen, when he gets closer to eight, we'll make him pick some lines. But right now, let's just get close so we can at least have the threat of this jersey and uh. the potential that it goes somewhere. All right. Um, so this happened over the weekend. Ed was off yesterday, but uh, so we did talk about this. But I did want to get your thoughts on it. Bryce Hamilton. Uh, he his name is in the NBA draft, so there is a chance he does end up going pro. But that seems unlikely that Hamilton decides to go pro at this point because uh, he has said that he is coming back to UNLV if he doesn't go pro. So what do you think about Bryce Hamilton returning to UNLV? Um, I mean, good for him. I mean, I think a lot of guys go out and feel that, you know, once they leave and say they're in the portal, that it's hard to come back, whether it's ego, whether it's, you know, who wanted you. There's a lot of things that go through kids' minds and he obviously, you know, in researched who was out there and, he felt that this was the place for him. So, I mean, he's not going to get drafted. I think uh, Mick Akers just tweeted there's now 353 names in the early entry. They have till June 19th, I believe, to take their name out. I would suspect he's going to take it out because I can't believe the evaluation hasn't been back that he's not going to get drafted. So, I mean, good for him. Uh, you know, I, again, I think it's hard for guys to come back off the portal. I really do. I think once you go in the portal, you sort of feel – this pressure, whether it's from outside people, handlers, whoever deals with you on a daily basis outside a program to go somewhere else because you feel the need to say, hey, I'm going here. It's a better fit for me. So I like when kids come back and just say, look, this is the best place for me. I'm, I'm comfortable here. I know the coach. He's a new coach. I've been with him. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do for them next year. I think, you know, that we've said all along, it appears Kruger has made an emphasis to get better defensively. Bryce has a long way to go defensively. Maybe others around him will help him with that. So I, I like the decision by him. I'm, I, you know, I think it's, you know, had he gone to, I don't know, a lower end power five or somewhere else just to do it, just to say, hey, I went there. I mean, a lot of kids do that. So I don't have any problem with him coming back. Are you surprised he didn't end up at a power conference school? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think nowadays, 
we've said this, and I don't know if you guys talked about it yesterday. I know we were going to talk about it last week where now P5, you know, um, uh, mid-majors aren't going to play P5s. Do you remember that story where they don't want, you know, teams poaching, which I which I thought was ridiculous because you can get film on anyone. Yes. Like there, there's film yes. on everyone in the country, so that's ridiculous. They're, every team has a film guy. He can pull up in two seconds a film on any kid in America. So I thought that was a little stupid. But, yeah, I was surprised. I You know, I think he had scored enough. I mean, obviously, look, he's not a good defensive player, but I thought he scored enough and showed enough on that end where a power five would have gotten. And here's the other thing. We don't know if they didn't. Um, a lot of stuff goes into it. Transferable units. He's, I assume he's close to graduating. If he went somewhere, would they have taken all his units? That goes into it, too. I know his mom wants him to graduate. I know that for a fact. That could have played into this. So I am, though, a little surprised that a Power 5 school didn't convince him to go just because of how much he scored at that level. Um, they'd have to help, help him defend better. But, yeah, it surprised me. So what I'm curious about with Bryce Hamilton and coming back to UNLV is – what did coaches of other schools tell him? Because I have no doubt good power conference schools would take Bryce Hamilton, but they'd probably take Bryce Hamilton and they might've told him, you know, you might not start. You got to fight for a starting spot. You're probably going to have to come off the bench. And Bryce Hamilton might have said, well, I don't want to come off the bench. And so I'm curious what other schools told him, what power conference schools told him. And in comparison, what Kevin Kruger told him. Because if this hypothetical, if Bryce Hamilton was in the transfer portal and power conference schools, and listen, from the reports, multiple power conference schools were interested in Bryce Hamilton. If he got the feedback from them of saying, hey, you know, you might start, you're going to have to fight for a starting spot, like you're not going to be guaranteed any shots or anything like that. And comparatively, what did Kruger tell him? Did Kruger then say, you know what, if you come back, you're the number one option on offense? I wonder what the sales pitch was from other schools in comparison to Kevin Kruger and UNLV, because I think it's a mistake if Kevin Kruger told him, hey, you're the number one option on offense, because we've seen two years in a row, Hamilton, the number one option on offense, and the team hasn't been good enough. The team wasn't good enough either the last two years. And if you're bringing back Hamilton, making him the number one option, I think you're running into that same problem again, where you're not going to be good enough. Totally agree with all what you said. And I don't think a power fives that we heard of given what we know they have would have told him he's their number one option. I, you know, I assume they would have told me starting and, you know, uh, and he'd be an integral part. You can't really recruit a kid and not say that. I mean, you're not recruiting him and say, Hey, he's going to be the eighth player. He's not going to go for that. But I'd be more shocked than not. If Kruger's pitch to him wasn't that he was going to be the number one offensive option. I think we both agree with that. I mean, maybe the guard uh, that they got, maybe, you know, him, but I think you get him back by saying you're going to be, we're going to run the offense through you. Um, I would think, I don't know what else you would tell him. I mean, I, I, you're going to tell me he's going to be the number two or three option and he's going to come back when he was the number one option before. Like, I don't think that works very well. I think, I think what you told Bryce Hamilton is, Hey, look who I've signed. I'm going to put better players around you. We're going to be better defensively and you're going to be the number one offensive option. That makes more sense than telling him he's not going to be the number one option. Uh, by the way, the schools that had reached out to him, according to Jeff Borzello, Kansas, USC, Oregon, Texas, New Mexico, Yukon, Illinois, Texas Tech, and Florida State. Okay, of all those, I would think New Mexico would be the only one who would look at him and say he's the number one option. Yeah. And I don't really know what New Mexico has, I've got to be honest, but <laughs> those other schools aren't I would not I can't get I can't believe those other schools are telling him he's the number one option. Right. And I think that's a big reason why he's coming back is he Yeah, I agree. His decision yeah. was, well, 
I saw Maury yeah. Hardy go to Oregon and kind of get phased out of the starting lineup and yeah. phased out of minutes. Uh, even Jonathan Chamwachachua is the greatest success story of UNLV transfers, and even he was only yeah. playing a few minutes off the bench. For Granted, he won a title, but only playing a few minutes off the bench. Hamilton probably said, if I want to play professionally, I got to shoot. 